0: Heyo! This is another episode of Back Alley Alchemist, and I came up with another interesting folklore thing to tell you about. Once again, it's kind of a revisiting of an old article that I wrote kind of a long time ago, if I'm being honest. Probably one of my first stories about witches that I ever really researched and looked into kind of a short story itself, so I'm going to spend a bit of time going into the history and the background and what led to this story existing in the first place. And I can't lie, uh, I was reminded of this and decided to use this for my second episode because I had a really good time watching Fear Street on Netflix, which if you haven't seen it yet, was written by R. L. Stein, the Goosebumps guy, and it's, I don't know, it's really entertaining for some reason. If you like spooky things and you want to binge something for like six hours or for a couple hours a day for three three days straight. However you do your thing, you know. I, I really, I can't, uh, I can't suggest it enough if you like witch shit and curses. But I don't want to, I don't want to do spoilers. I'm not going to do spoilers. Either way, the series kind of got me thinking about Witch Trials, and how kind of fucked up that was, you know? And I'm sure everyone knows about, like, the Salem Witch Trials and Salem, Massachusetts and all that. Probably I, I know that in high school I had to read The Crucible. That whole thing went on for centuries, so many hundreds of years, and it's of baffling to my modern brain, but I guess let's look into it a little. So, by the acting pope in 1484, witchcraft was denounced as heresy. The pope's name at the time was Innocent VIII, which is- uh, I think that's silly. Maybe maybe I'm an asshole, but that's a real silly name. Either way. His birth name was Giovanni Battista Caibo, Cybo. don't know how to pronounce that. I don't love him though, so I'm not going to try. He was the head of the Catholic Church from August of 1484 until he died in 1492. He issued the papal bull called Sumis Desiderantis, Desiderantis? something like that. In December of 1484, so he was only the Pope for a few months before he started doing some douche shit. And I'm gonna read a direct quote from this bull. Uh, It stated, It has recently come to our ears, not without great pain to us, that in some parts of Upper Germany, Mainz, Köln, Trier, Salzburg, and Bremen, many persons of both sexes heedless of their own salvation and forsaking the Catholic faith, give themselves over to devils, male and female, and by their incantations, charms, and conjurings, and by other abominable superstitions and sortilages, offenses, crimes, and misdeeds, ruin and cause to perish the offspring of women, the foal of animals, the products of the earth, the grapes of vines, and the fruits of trees, As well as men and women, cattle and flocks and herds and animals of every kind, vineyards also and orchards, meadows, pastures, harvests, grains, and other fruits of the earth. (laughs) Forgive my bad impression, but uh, the main point of that was he was saying, oh, people in Germany are fucking demons and it's killing everyone's food and it's ruining the world and oh boy, we better do something about those demon fuckers. So the, the bull was a response to a German inquisitor named Heinrich Kramer, who had hoped that the support of the Catholic Church would give him the authority to prosecute individuals for the practice of witchcraft. Ultimately, his goal was to eradicate the pagans that remained in the land and to enforce Christian rule and Christian values in the region. Long before this, like most of the pagan groups and pagan religions were at least decimated, probably like put down to 10%, literally decimated. So they were still around, but they weren't any longer allowed any power over anything, nothing was pagan anymore in the cities or whatever, and it was mostly not okay to be pagan at the time. And this Kramer asshole really, really hated him. And he was hoping that if he got the Pope to openly sanction the prosecution of these people, then finally he could get rid of those those gross pagan bastards, I guess. Y- you know how it goes. Side note, he didn't actually get as much power to do as much killing and prosecuting as he wanted to. And he ended up writing the Malaeus Maleficarum which I don't really go into, but it's widely noted as one of the most anti-witch pieces of text in the world, and it, like, it definitely spurred the early modern witch craze, which was where most of the people got executed. It it was the worst witch craze, that's what I'm saying. I'll touch on that a little bit in a second. Anyway, the statement from the pope, this bull, as they are called, was the first open declaration that witchcraft was a crime against God and was to be punished. It didn't entirely set the witch craze into motion. That would be a little bit later, but it it followed for sure. It was also quite likely very little more than a political move on the part of the Pope, because at the time there was a bit of conflict between the church proper and the religious leaders in Germany. So the Kramer guy wanted the Pope to say what he said and, like, let him kill pagans, and the Pope thought, Oh, if I make this guy happy, then we'll get along a little bit better, and everyone can have a little bit more power. That'll be great. But whatever the reason for the statement, it served as a command to inquisitors to investigate and punish any accusations or suspicions of witchcraft. And accusations of witchcraft became commonplace across all of Europe, and the punishment would often be served. The circumstances of each case varied. It depended on the city, the town, the state, the nation, just the vibe, apparently. In some areas, rituals would be done to cleanse the spirit. Sometimes physical abuse would be dished out upon the accused in the belief that One could physically chase evil from the body. Sometimes they were a little bit nicer and would bathe the accused in herbs and stuff. All all kinds of different ideas were floating around about how best to cure or rehabilitate a witch. And it also depended on if they thought that the person was actively consorting with the devil, or if they were possessed, or if someone else had cursed them, or something like that. I don't know, there was so much going on. Unfortunately, it often happened that the method for curing a witch was just executing them. This led to centuries of persecution of non-Christians, of non-heteronormative people, and even just people that the rest of the town just didn't like. They thought you were weird, you were the weirdo, probably a witch, hang em. The reasons and justifications for these accusations varied wildly, and honestly it's really hard to understand today. Those statements that were put out by the Catholic Church and by the Inquisitors and by priests and just religious leaders and religious people all over, along with, like, other religious texts at the time in those 1400 years, made everyone so worried, so goddamn worried about witches that everyone was freaked out Everyone was scared of sorcery. Everyone was scared that the weird lady who lived on the edge of town was a witch, and that was why she couldn't grow her tomatoes. You know, it led to the early modern witch craze. And that happened in early modern Europe, hence the early modern witch craze title. And that was from about the 1500s to the early 1800s. And it is said that that is the period of time in which our subject had a bad time. Now like I said, almost anyone that people didn't like could be accused of being a witch in those times. So, like, women were often accused of being witches for anything that made them difficult, and many women were simply unpopular within their communities, and were therefore condemned as witches. Sometimes these individuals were indeed non-Christian. Some of them were pagan. Some of them were Christian, but still held on to old familial traditions that seemed pagan to other people. Even just making natural medicine at the time, even though it helped people, and they liked it when you helped them, they could still use that against you, and accuse you of witchcraft for it, if you ever dared to piss them off. Yeah. Often, even more simple things like being self-sufficient, choosing to be single, choosing to not have children, being kinda stubborn, or reading books would be enough for someone to point the finger at a woman and call her a witch. And with the Pope openly declaring war on all witches, everyone thought it was justified to go fuck with that lady, you know what I mean? In Britain specifically, witchcraft was made a capital offense in 1563 almost a 100 years after that statement by the Pope. Ultimately, around 200,000 women were tortured, executed, and imprisoned under the law of the church or of the state between the year 1484 and 1750. This seriously went on for hundreds of years, and tons of innocent people, especially women, lost their lives because of it. According to a popular story, One of these women was a resident of East Somerton in Norfolk. This woman's name has been lost to history, but her tale prevails in local lore and is evidenced by one of the most mysterious pieces of ruins in Britain. She is now simply known as the Witch of East Somerton. In the 1500s, a church was built near the modern town of Norwich. The people in the surrounding communities would come to this church to practice their religious rites, pray, socialize with their fellow church members, all that good stuff. This was St. Mary's Church, and it's the place at which the Witch of East Somerton's story becomes one that would be told for centuries. It's said that a woman from the neighboring town was accused of witchcraft, much like countless others during this period, and she was brought to St. Mary's Church to atone for her crimes against God. Now, this lady was old. Like, she was bent, elderly. She even had a wooden leg. So... I don't feel like she was much of a threat to anyone. I don't know why people accused her. Probably because of the wooden leg, maybe because she was old, maybe she just weirded everyone out. But everyone was very convinced that she was guilty. Like, she fit the perfect description of like a hag or a witch to them in their weird 1500s minds. She was brought to the church and interrogated in the halls for quite a while before eventually she was sentenced to be buried alive. Yet another super grisly way of dealing with witchcraft, I guess. So those lovely God-fearing people of the church dug a grave for the old witch near the front of the building in the entryway. They buried her in the grave while she was still living, breathing, and afraid. Can you imagine? You're all old, you got one leg, you're just hanging out in the woods, and suddenly everyone you've ever known starts screaming at you, calling you a witch, saying you fuck the devil, and they drag you to church, yell at you, and interrogate you for who knows how long, and dig a hole and they just throw you in it? Like you, you lived your entire life long enough to get old with one leg in the 1500s for that? Jesus. Either way, she was, she was screaming, fighting, trying to get free, but they closed up her tomb, and she shouted a curse with her final breath. She announced that she would someday have her revenge on the people and on the church. Everyone disregarded her cries, and they poured soil over her coffin and laid a new floor down above her. They hoped that if her evil spirit were entombed in a holy place, like the church, Her soul could be purified, and she may be able to be redeemed in the eyes of God. Then, everyone just kinda went about their lives, left her there, kept coming to church, kept holding services and mass or whatever you do at church, right on top of her dead body, hanging out in the courtyard having tea and biscuits, while all the time her body was decaying, and her soul was getting more and more pissed. But eventually, in the 17th century, St. Mary's Church held its final service and was never visited again by the community. Over time, a sapling sprung from the floor of the church, and it grew into a massive oak tree. And this oak tree eventually burst through the foundation and the walls, hastening the destruction of the building. Seriously, this tree just destroyed this church. Just fucked it right up from the inside out. Blew the top off, busted the walls open, tore up the, the flooring. There are photos all over the internet. If you look up um, the witch's wooden leg or the witch's finger or St. Mary's Church in Norfolk, it's beautiful. Really, I would quite like to visit it. It seems like uh, spooky nerds visit it pretty often. But it's believed that the witch's wooden leg, fueled by her final curse, grew into that giant oak tree and destroyed it for revenge. Which I just think is awesome. I personally wouldn't say it's very likely that a wooden leg turned into a tree, but the, uh, the karmic value of this is just beautiful. Like, she just got pulled from her home. She was just all old and haggard and bent over, just trying to live her life, drags from her home, screamed at, and brutally murdered, buried alive. And even if she wasn't a witch, like, the the fury that I personally would feel in that situation I would like to think it would make any wooden part of my body turn into a giant tree and just fucking destroy. It would be really cool if it had grown super, super big and just destroyed the entire village. That would be cool. That would be like Auntie Julia. Ooh, that would be a good one. Anyway, it's said that the oak tree's existence and the way that it's, like, bursted through the structure of the church at this point was her vengeance, and the result of her curse. Today, the ruins of the church are still there, in a forest near Norwich, and the oak stands tall up through these these beautiful-looking ruins, it's a common place to visit for tourists who take an interest in local legends, history, and spooky shit, but the legend uh, also says that you should be worried about it. Like, even if she's not mad at you. Uh, The story says that if you walk in a circle around the oak three times, you'll summon the spirit of the witch. It's also said that when people visit, they'll hear weird things and feel a presence there. People think it's definitely haunted. That's, That's the consensus. The ruins are haunted don't walk in a circle around the tree or the witch is gonna come back from the grave and kick your ass, because she's rightly pissed. But that is the story of the witch of East Somerton, and how the fear of witches, and honestly, the hatred of anyone non-Christian and also women kind of is rude as hell. There are tons and tons of more, um, well, maybe not, uh, less folklore examples, if you want to look up some of the women who were executed for witchcraft during those times. I encourage it. I feel like it's sad that we forget those people and we forget their names, and this is just a, a folk tale. This is a legend. It's. Very likely that this woman existed, but without any record of her name or who she was. It's little more than a story. Other people who were executed during those times did have names, and they still have names, and they did have families and stories. Maybe I'll spend some time looking into more of them to talk about, if there's any interest in that. I think it would make me feel good. I'm gonna see if I can put at least some of the references and sources in the description of this episode. I'm still not very good at navigating the, uh, the whole podcast world, but I'll do my best. You can always reach out to me if you want to ask any more questions or make any suggestions. I hope this was informative and interesting and I didn't um too much. I'll have another one ready for you guys next week. Um, later, nerd.